Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath all right hello las vegas everybody listening on the podcast and over at the 405media.com great to have you with us i know we're a few minutes late coming in if you're listening to the live program that's because i was having some problems with my internet here and uh, i save my notes for each show in uh, online so i was trying to figure out a way to get to my notes but never fear we have accomplished the goal, and we are ready to go. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio, from Liberty Baptist Church. Our service time Sunday are 9.30 and 11.15. Our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. If you're in Las Vegas, we would love to have you join us. Okay, so today, as promised, we are talking about Donald Trump's first year as President of the United States. This Saturday, January 20th, 2018, marks one year since the President came into office. And so we'll look at what's happened. How's he done well? Maybe some things we should have done better. Uh, Some favorite quotes of mine. We're going to basically do this most likely in three parts. Uh, We're going to start with the, the... the not so good, and then we'll look at the good, and then we'll end up with some of my favorite quotes from his first year in office. One year in office. It seems longer than that, yet somehow also shorter. Time is a just a crazy complex thing. So that's that's what today's that's what today's show is going to be about is Trump's year. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And as I was preparing for this show, I tried to go off uh, when I was making up my list. Basically, I have a a top 10 list of things that he did well or good things that were accomplished and then and then the knots. And I was trying to just go off, off of what I could remember. Then I supplemented that with some Googling to make sure I didn't miss anything major. And I have to tell you, overall... As someone who did not support Trump in the Republican primary and who was skeptical of how he'd govern, overall, in the terms of actual governing, I think he has done a pretty phenomenal job. Now, let me point out that in saying this, I, again, mean in how he has governed. Much of what he does, personally... Still makes me cringe, but as far as actual accomplishments as they equate to promises made, overall grade, I think, for Trump's first year in office, I have to give him a B plus. And I know some of you are about to freak out because he's clearly the best president ever. No credit to Washington, Lincoln, or Reagan, obviously. But there's a very specific reason, actually two very specific reasons, I went with a B plus instead of an A minus. And that's where we're going to start today. So I've got five low points and then my top 10 Trump accomplishments for the year. And then we'll talk about some of my favorite quotes. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. First off, the five lows of year one, as I see it. The first one being the primary reason why I've graded year one with a B minus. And that is because the wall. 
and DACA, immigration, we have essentially zero progress there. I get it. We have wall prototypes and they're talking about immigration again. And if only we could figure out what to do with the spending, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And what is obviously the most glaring and I would argue possibly only policy related issue, which is directly, in my opinion, the president's fault, the wall has not been built. It hasn't even started. If there is any glaring failure in Trump's first year, this is definitely the one. But hang with me because I'm not on a Trump bashing fest today. I'm presenting what I think are his wins and losses here in the first 12 months. I'm starting with his losses again because I think there's a lot more wins. And quite frankly, uh, policy wise, I see the wall as his only real big loss. And there are a few other things we'll get to in a moment, but when it comes to actual campaign promises, the keeping of them and the breaking of them, this one is still outstanding. Granted, technically, he has three years left, but anything that he really wanted to get done, uh, he needed to do in year one. And he has to do by this summer, or his window of opportunity may slam shut for good. Why? You can probably guess. The midterm elections. Midterm elections are generally not favorable to the president's to the sitting president's political party. So Trump has to figure out a way to get something going with this wall issue with the current GOP Congress by this summer, or I don't see it happening. Unless unless we see history not repeat itself and the GOP does well this fall in the midterms, which is possible. You never know. He also has to be very careful how he handles this whole situation right now with uh, with avoiding government shutdown, with not uh, antagonizing his base with the whole DACA situation, but also, I think, figuring out a way to continue, well, not, well, Compassionate conservative is, conservatism is not always a bad thing. In fact, in many ways, I think it's a good thing. So I, he he's walking a very fine line with this whole immigration issue, anchor babies, and just policy in general as it relates to the wall and the different things that the different sides want or don't want for the wall to become a reality. Because if he fudges on any of this without getting some sort of, uh, any of the DACA issue, immigration issue, without getting some sort of barrier up on the southern border, then it's bye-bye Trump, hello President Oprah Winfrey. Okay? Latest poll, I think Oprah was beating him by 13 points if she ran in 2020. If the wall does not go up, that number is going to move north. But honestly, that would be policy-wise, the fact that we don't have a wall or any, any, uh, any progress there, considering that that was Trump's biggest, baddest campaign promise on the biggest, beautifulest wall we'd ever seen, that I think is his only real uh, unkept, well, not his only unkept promise, but the, the, the glaring one, okay? So that would be my number one on the lows list. Number two on the lows of year one list is the tweeting and the unnecessary comments, the saying of things that are just not helpful or constructive. And believe me, I have heard every argument out there uh, about, you know, 
we we weren't electing a pastor. He's a president. He just says what everyone is thinking. No, 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 no. Let's just take the latest example, okay? Where the president may or may not have called the the peoples or countries in the world by a name that was that is that is vulgar, which I'm not going to use. His continual tweeting and saying of things like this are are that are just outrageous and unhelpful is the other reason why I couldn't give him an A on year one. It may not matter to you, but I'm not a big fan of the fact that we now have Americans and just people all over everywhere in the internet and in regular life, including many evangelical Christians who claim to love Jesus and love all people and be on a mission from God to help and minister to and reach people. We have people everywhere using language that is unfit for the presidency and disgusting in the mouth of Christians. I mean, it is absolutely repulsive to me that Christians, regardless of of our view of the president or our perception of living conditions in other countries, it is repulsive to me that Christians would resort to using this sort of language, particularly when, for the most part, it is language they would never have used if the president hadn't used it first. So yes, I'd argue, as I always have, that character does matter. It matters for each of us as average citizens, and it matters extra for those we elect to lead us, because just look at this latest example, whether or not uh, the president actually used that term, which some are debating whether or not he even said it, or maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Either way, if he used it or if it was a mishearing, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference at this point. The reason people believe on a widespread scale that he said it is because it's in his character and his public persona to make comments like this. So everyone assumes whether or not he actually did, that he did. And that's a shame. And and here's the other reason it matters extra what our leaders do. Just the thought that our president said this has our entire nation and nations all around the world using this term and debating its merits. With great power comes great responsibility. And part of that responsibility when it comes to holding the office of the president in this country is tact and grace and self-control. So the lack of the wall and the lack of self-control comprise my B-minus ranking as well as really the only two actual, uh, what I would call, fails for the president in his first year. Except not entirely fails because there's still time to right the ship for both of these. So I call them low points. These are the low points of Trump's first year as I see it. But yes, I said there were five things, didn't I? There are five things. But the other three are not things that I would say that Trump is necessarily responsible for. The wall, that was his number one campaign promise. That is on him. You've got to get that done. His mouth and his tweeting, those are on him. The next three, not so much really. They are things that happened in his first year that were low points and that will be associated with his presidency but aren't, aren't really on him. Uh, number three, so if a number three low point for me 
This is a transitional one where, yes, there's some responsibility on the president, but I can't put it all on him. And that is that Obamacare is still largely very much in place. Yes, parts of it will go away uh, with the tax bill, most particularly the elimination of the individual mandate. So no one is now forced to buy insurance or pay a penalty if they don't. But health insurance in this country as a whole is absolutely a catastrophe right now. And even with this move... Uh, For most people, their health insurance premiums are still on the rise, particularly with small businesses. I honestly don't know how people are able to survive right now with the costs of health care in this country. If I told you what my parents, who are self-employed, what they pay for health insurance each year, it it is just shocking. And the way it has continued to just rise and rise and rise and rise and rise And while the costs are rising, the coverage uh, that's being provided to them continues to go down almost in parallel with the costs going up. Their their quality of care is is on decline while the cost is on the increase in in, in just a continual uh, stream. And there's there's no sign of it stopping. Just the the rate hikes over the last 10 years, it's just unreal. But that's not what today's show is not about, the healthcare debacle. So I'm not going to focus in on this a whole lot, but I would say that this is number three for Trump, low point number three. Obamacare is still largely in place. Granted, that is very much on Congress. Congress had eight years to figure out something that they could put forward in the future as a way to fix this, and they failed to do that. In eight years of Obama being in office, they failed to come up with a plan that they could get through that would actually fix the problem So that I put largely on Congress. But Trump is still the leader. Trump is still the president. He is the one where the buck actually stops. So it's going to be on him as well. So that would be my number three. Number one, the wall. Two, just the, the unnecessary tweeting and speaking that is just causing him unnecessary drama. Number three, that Obamacare is still in place. These are the low points. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're getting to the top ten, the high points. Uh, But we're starting with the low ones. My fourth low point would be the whole Russian investigation. And I'm not really going to even dignify this thing with very much commentary. I'm just going to say, chill out, comrades. The Russian collusion, Trump, Russia, collusion, Trump, Russia, collusion reports have got to be the biggest non-stories of the year. But the media kept them seemingly constantly in front of us constantly bombarding us with this issue of Trump and Russia and Trump and Russia, which (laughs) fascinates me, fascinates me that, I guess it would be five, six years ago now, Mitt Romney, do you remember this? Do you remember in the debate when Romney and Obama were up there and Mitt Romney said that Russia was a problem and everybody laughed at him? Everyone scoffed that Mitt Romney would even begin to think that Russia could be a problem in this day and age. Fast forward six years later, and the big story is how evil Russia is and how evil the president and those around him are for even daring to speak to them. Now, I'm not saying that there couldn't be anything there and that there may not have been something that went on with Jared Kushner and all that. I don't know what I do know is that it has been way overblown. 
uh, and uh, it's so I, I have it on my list as a low point for Trump, not because I think that he's innocent or guilty or somewhere in between, but because it happened at all. Just the fact that we've had to see this continually over and over and over and over and over again, it has to be on a low point for him because whether or not there's anything there, it is something that people will associate with his first year in office. Not saying that he's guilty, not saying that he's innocent. I'm just saying that it is something that people will associate with him and not in a good way. And therefore, for me, that would be the number four low point of Trump's first year. Uh, Lastly, my fifth low point in his first year in office would be the hurricanes in Puerto Rico, Florida, and Houston. Just absolutely devastating destruction in each of those communities. Again, not, uh, not necessarily, well, obviously not in any way, uh, his fault, um, not caused by him. He can't control the weather, but these are things that happened during his presidency. And so therefore, again, will be associated with him. Um, I think overall, the federal response to each of those disasters was excellent. Puerto Rico, not quite as excellent, but we're seeing more and more stories every day of in-state corruption there that is being dealt with. And they're finding that resources that have been sent from the mainland, that have been sent from the feds, have been being hoarded, have been being stolen. And uh, they're, they're finally being able to get to the bottom of all of this and It's being dealt with, so hopefully Puerto Ricans will be back on their feet very, very soon. So, okay, those are my five low points of year one. Some Trump's fault, others not really, one not at all. Um, Review. Top five, or I guess it would be bottom five. I don't know how you would want to say that, but it's, it's the five low points of Trump's year one. Ready? Review. Number one, the wall. DACA, immigration, the fact that there is not even the beginning of construction on the wall, and oh, by the way, Mexico still isn't paying for it, that is problematic for Trump because that was his biggest, bestest campaign promise was that we were going to have a beautiful wall, the best the world had ever seen, and we don't have even a fence. So that has got to get worked out. In my opinion, needs to be worked out quickly. Because the midterm elections are coming, and if the GOP loses control of Congress, the wall is not going to happen. And that will mean Oprah Winfrey will be our next president. Number two on the low list, the tweeting, the unnecessary, unconstructive comments that just create drama and cause our culture to degrade itself in ways that are just incredibly distasteful, especially from the evangelical Christian community. Those two things right there are the reason why I give him an overall grade of B minus, because the next three are not as much on him as those two. The wall and just the, the, the tweeting and the unnecessary comments. Those are the things that for me are the big low points of Trump's first year. Third. Uh, Obamacare still largely in place, but I put more blame on Congress for that one for not putting something together before Trump was in office. Number four, the Russian investigation again, not a matter of whether or not I think he's guilty, innocent, whatever. If there's any collusion between anyone at all, 
just that the media has had this in front of us, and so it's something that Trump's first year will always be associated with, and it would be a low point for him because people aren't going to be looking at that in a favorable light. And last but not least on the low points for Trump would be the hurricanes, the devastation in Puerto Rico, Florida, and Houston. Obviously not his fault, but happened during his watch, so will always be associated with his first year. There you go. The five low points of year one as I see it. When we return... The good news. Some of the things that Donald Trump and his administration have accomplished. My top 10 accomplishments from Donald Trump's first year when we return. It's the top 10 promises that have been kept, which is really good news because it's not always very often that we see politicians keeping their promises. But the president has done really a pretty good job. And I think you're going to enjoy this look back at the president's first year. Stay with us. All right, we are back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. We are doing Trump's first year in review. The good, the bad, and everything in between. We started off with five low points, as I see it, from the president's first year. And now we move on to the fun stuff. We get to talk about all of the good things the president has accomplished in his first year. And there are a lot of them. Actually, we won't talk about all of them. We're only going to talk about a few. I narrowed it down to my top 10, and those are what I am going to review with you. We're going to start. uh, Yes, we are going in a particular order. Number one will be what I think is his best, second best, third best, and so on and so forth. So we're going to start at 10, his 10th best, and work our way up. Again, this is not an all-inclusive list. This is not everything the president has accomplished. It may not even agree with your top 10, or you may put them in a different order than I do. That's fine. We're allowed to disagree like this because it's America and we have that right. I am just doing my crystals review of the president's first year. I would love to know your reviews, your thoughts, what you're thinking about how the president's first year went. If you think I missed something on a low point, if you think I missed something in my top 10 list, you can send me all those things on Facebook or Twitter at The Frittle. Let me know. Share with me your thoughts. And if you tweet me, I tweet back, usually pretty quickly. So just saying, if your lifelong dream has always been to talk to me via social media, we can make that happen. I, I'm, I know. I know. It's, it's, I, I love making dreams come true for people. All right. Let's, let's get on with this. Trump's top 10 accomplishments as I see it for his first year in office. Number 10. He got us out of the TPP and ended our involvement in the Paris Climate Agreement. I know those are two things, but I kind of smashed them together in one and hoped you wouldn't notice. So TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, was a deal that essentially took a bunch of countries in North, Central, and South America, basically uh, countries along the Pacific, and said, hey... We're going to band together and, in essence, we'll be one marketplace for trading and, and, and servicing of goods, which will mean that we'll have fewer imports from overseas, which will make higher profits for us. Um, basically, one trade deal between 11 countries instead of each of these countries making trade deals of their own. But it didn't work. TPP ended up being not really a trade deal and really more like a bunch of rules and regulations and things that unions would want legislated in Congress that Congress would never pass, but in a trade deal could be enacted without Congress. 
So in the end, instead of creating jobs, TPP hurt jobs and was actually opposed by both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in their respective campaigns. There weren't a whole lot of things they agreed on. I don't you may have missed that, but there, there, there were very few things that the Trumpster and the Hillary agreed on. But TPP was one of them and ending TPP was one of them. You know, it's bad if both Hillary and the Donald say, if you elect us, we're going to repeal that. And they both did. They both made that promise. Trump made it happen. He got us out of TPP. His free trade works better. Free trade lives on. TPP is no longer a part of American uh, business. It's done. It's over. As for the Paris Climate Accord, this was something that President Obama put us into without any authorization from the Senate, which would be required for actual international policy of this nature. But the Senate definitely would not have approved of putting us into the Paris Climate Accord. And so the former president just skirted around the Senate and uh, and Trump was like, yeah, no, that's not a thing that we do. So he got us out of it. There, There is some debate whether or not we were actually even in it, but I, I'm not going to go there. Again, this isn't a show to debate all the ins and outs of each of these different things. It's just an overview of what I think was were the high points and the low points. So uh, this is a high point. No more can any other nation tell us what we may or may not do, particularly those who are having way worse uh, a way worse effect on the environment than we are saying, oh, but you are the ones that need to pay for this mistake of ours. So you get on that and uh, you, you're you going to get punished for the things that we do. And Trump was like, yeah, no, no, sorry, guys. Actually, just he just didn't say sorry. He was just like, no, no. So that would be number 10 on my top 10 list of Trump things. It got us out of TPP and ended our involvement in the Paris Climate Agreement. Whatever involvement that we had or may not have had. Regardless, we're out. We're done. Finito. Over. Number nine, net neutrality. Net neutrality has been repealed. Now, this isn't something necessarily that the president campaigned on or that most people were even aware of was happening. And it's not something that I would necessarily give credit to the president for specifically, but it's kind of like those a couple of the low points that I mentioned earlier, that things that weren't necessarily things that the president was directly involved with or that he uh, caused to happen, but due to the fact that they happened during his term, he will always be associated with it. Net neutrality is kind of the same way. Uh, Net neutrality, by the way, wasn't even instituted until 2015, and now it's gone. So here's the question. Has your internet bill skyrocketed? Have you not been able to get online? Ever? Are your favorite websites mysteriously gone? No. These are all things that uh, those on the left said would happen if net neutrality was repealed, but none of them actually have. There's just more freedom now in the internet and for internet service providers, and that is a good thing. Freedom, more freedom is always more good. So, um, again, not going to get into explaining all these things in-depth today. You can go and research them. Just a review of the list and I have to keep going or I will run out of time before we get to the end of it. Number eight in my Trump first year top ten list. Israel has been named the capital of Jerusalem. It took so much longer than I would have liked because this isn't something that needed a whole lot of thought. You just stand up and say, hey, we've decided that we are going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Bam, done. That's essentially what we did. Just took longer than 
I think that it needed to. Regardless, it got done in the president's first year. Major, major kudos to the president for that one. Uh, I'm going to stick another one in here on on number eight because I don't have it. I thought I had it further down my list, but I don't. So this is actually my top 11 list. But don't tell shh, don't tell anybody because I'm just going to throw it in here with Israel in just a second. But um, he's declared Jerusalem the capital of Israel. Now, getting the State Department to tell us what country Jerusalem is actually located in, that's another matter <laughs> altogether. And I still can't figure out how we can recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, but not be able to tell you what country Jerusalem is located in. Like, that that just boggles my mind. Like, the, <laughs> the same State Department, same people are like, oh yes, we recognize that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Excuse me, sir, what country is Jerusalem located in? Well, that is that is a difficult question to answer. No, it's not. It's not difficult at all. If it's the capital of Israel, it's located in Israel. Just, oh, I hate political correctness so much. Anyway, okay, so so Israel was, a, for me personally, that was one of my biggest things, was that Trump would recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The other big thing that I really loved, and these are both more, uh, I would argue, social wins, if you will. Not a whole lot of, of actual policy per se, but uh, the Department of Health and Human Services under Trump also declared that life begins at conception. Again, not something that's going to create any sweeping change really anywhere, but the fact that they recognized and made a point of making the statement I really appreciate that, and I think that was a very good move. Same with making Israel or Jerusalem the capital of Israel. In the end, it's probably not going to affect a whole lot moving our embassy to Jerusalem, particularly since the next president will probably just move it back out. But just the fact that they made the effort, very, very good. Hence, they make my top 10 list. All right, number seven on the Trump's top 10 accomplishments while in office, technically 11. I guess, if you want to be that way. Uh, number seven, killing regulations. During his campaign, then-candidate Donald Trump promised to cut two regulations, two old, outdated regulations for every new one that was imposed. He has absolutely crushed that promise, actually cutting 22 regulations for every new one that is implemented. The White House staff has been told that their job is to cut every unnecessary regulation they can find with the goal of getting the United States back to having fewer regulations than were in place in 1960. He is cutting almost 60 years worth of regulations and just slashing through them. Now, not things like safety regulations, but unnecessary red tape. It's going away. In all, the American Action Forum says that the Trump administration has saved $560 million just by cutting regulations thus far in his first year. He's cutting regulations faster than Reagan did. And on top of the cutting, over 1,500 planned regulatory actions were canceled or delayed under his leadership. That's a promise kept, like way beyond what he said, we'll cut two for every new one. Well, they've actually cut 22 for every new regulation. There are reasons. Okay, you can look at the stock market climbing. Okay, well, I'm getting ahead of myself now. But there are reasons why 
your 401k looks as good as it does. It, it didn't just like miraculously, oh, hello, happiness, sunshine and flowers and unicorns. No, there are reasons that these things happen and the cutting and killing of unnecessary regulations is one of them. Number six, oil, open drilling. We are making more, producing more oil in this country than ever before. We are catching up with Russia. We are making the rest of the world's oil producers tremble in their boots because we are about to become a world superpower in oil. The Keystone Pipeline, check. Drilling in uh, uh, um, shale drilling is booming in this country. And the tax cut bill, which is <laughs> the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, TCGA, it permits petroleum development in 2,000 acres of the 19 million acre Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. This is something that Republicans have been trying to accomplish for a very long time. Trump's administration has done it, leaving literally 99.99% of ANWR, which is what Arctic National Wildlife Refuge is often referred to, uh, ANWR untouched. The 0.01% available for drilling could yield up to 1.45 million barrels of oil daily, which is equal to the current to current to 14.5% of current domestic production of oil in this entire country that is incredible the republican party has been trying to do this since 1979 38 years later president trump got it done now with the cutting of regulations expansion of drilling if you're adding these things up, you can probably guess what number five is. Jobs, jobs, jobs. We have the lowest unemployment rate that we have had in 17 years. Unemployment is at 4.1% across the board. Lowest it's been this century in this country. It's the most jobs we've had since Bill Clinton was in office. Manufacturing, technology, oil, they're all booming. Job growth uh, in this country is often compared to either a marathon or a sprint. Okay, so at times we see, <coughs> excuse me, at times we see job growth in this country that's like a sprint, where all of a sudden it'll it'll pick up and we're like, oh wow, look, and then it just kind of fizzles off, goes away. And uh, economists have looked at what is happening in our country right now. Because we've had a lot of sprints in the last 17 years, but we haven't had any marathons of job growth. And what economists are saying is that right now we are seeing a marathon of job growth. This isn't a party. This is a long-term thing. The unemployment rate among African Americans is now at 7%. Lowest it has been in 17 years. For five of President Obama's eight years in office, we saw nearly double that number. It was over 14% black unemployment for five of his eight years in office, with a high of 16% unemployment uh, in that demographic multiple years. Four, 
Number four on on my top 10 Trump accomplishments list. The economy. When you cut regulations, you open up drilling, and you have jobs growing, growing, growing. The economy. It's breaking records. More like shattering ceiling after ceiling after ceiling after ceiling. Over 40 record closes for the Dow in 2017, with its latest coming earlier this week when it broke over 26,000. Just absolutely Incredible economic growth in this country since Trump's election a year ago. The S&P 500 is up over 20% this past year. GDP up 3%. Home prices are continuing to rise, roughly a 3% increase across the board. And have you taken a look at your retirement account lately? If you need to smile, you might want to go do that. Number three on my Trump top 10 list. ISIS destroyed in Iraq and Afghanistan. The president, our military, and our allies have done a fantastic job <coughs> Excuse me, defeating ISIS in Iraq and Syria. No longer do we regularly hear of beheadings, drownings, and burnings on a seemingly constant basis. The wiping out of entire villages and families in the name of Allah is over. The caliphate is done. Under President Obama, ISIS was a thriving, murderous terror organization that he called the JV team, but then told us was going to take time to eliminate. President Trump, on the other hand, has made ISIS actually look like the the JV team that they were and ended them, seemingly at least, once and for all. Now, ISIS does still exist, and I'm going to actually talk about that in next week's show because that threat is still there, but it's caliphate, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, its, its, its little evil empire, if you will, has collapsed. Again, we'll talk more on that one next week. But that is huge, huge accomplishment for the president. That's why it made it to number three on my top ten list. Number two, tax reform. I almost put this one as number one on the list. Big, beautiful tax reform. Thousands of companies are issuing bonuses and pay raises to their employees from Walmart to Boeing and a whole lot in between. It seems like every day we learn of another company that's either raising its minimum wage or issuing bonuses or, or doing any number of things. And the vast majority of American workers next month will see an increase in their take-home pay. The tax code has been simplified, and boy, does it feel good. Personally, if I used all the little calculators right, I will see a $24 increase in every check I take home. Not a pay raise, a tax cut. I'll be making the exact same amount as I made in my last paycheck, but I'll get to keep more of my money. $576 more each year, in fact. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to some people, but in my world, that's a lot of money. That's two trips home to Pennsylvania. That's a year's supply of dog food and then some. That's that's lunch out twice a week at $6 a pop. And if you eat lunch out like me, you could triple that to six days a week, which I wouldn't, but hypothetically speaking, you could. A family of eight could go to a Golden Knights game just on what I will be getting in tax savings. The entire family, not like two people, Eight people in the family. Five and three-quarter people. I don't know where you would get three-quarter people, but you could go to Disneyland for a day with my tax savings. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The tax reform legislation that this president has managed to accomplish with this Congress is fantastic. And all those things I just said, those are just a couple of the things that you could do just with my tax savings, which the Democrats have told me is insignificant. 
Maybe insignificant to you. I don't know how much money you're making if you think $576 is insignificant. But if you have $576 of insignificant money laying around, you can just feel free to send it my way and I will invest that for you uh, wisely. Promise. No worries. I got it. All right. That brings us to number one. My number one on my top 10 list of Trump's accomplishment in his first year is, of course, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. He tops my list because his appointment to the Supreme Court is the thing on this list that will remain constant, barring, of course, a health issue or a complete collapse of our government, long after Trump is out of office. Now, his successor may reverse course on taxes. Terror may thrive again. It probably will. We could see unemployment rise and the economy fall. Our embassy in Israel could be moved out of Jerusalem, and we could end up back in some silly climate accord. But what Trump's successor won't do, he won't take Neil Gorsuch off the Supreme Court. And that's why I put Gorsuch as Trump's number one accomplishment on my top 10 list. That and the fact that I believe he won the election because of this promise to put an originalist on the bench, and he kept that promise. So Neil Gorsuch would be my number one. Quick review for you of our top 10 accomplishments of Trump in his first year. Number 10, got us out of the TPP and ended the Paris Climate Agreement. Number nine, uh, net neutrality repealed. Number eight, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and declaring that life begins at conception. Number seven, killing regulations, cutting 22 regulations for every new one implemented, keeping the promise to, well, smashing the promise to cut two for every new one imposed. Number six, or yeah, number six, opening drilling in Anwar, getting the Keystone Pipeline to happen. Number five, jobs, 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 the lowest unemployment rate in 17 years. Number four, the economy breaking record after record after record, over 40 records broken in 2017. Number three, the caliphate, ISIS caliphate destroyed in Iraq and Afghanistan. Number two, tax reform. And number one, getting Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. Those are my top 10 accomplishments that I recognize the president as getting done in his first year in office. And that is some good news. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back in just a minute, we'll wrap things up with, of course, my favorite Trump quotes from year one. There's only a couple of them. I had to, I had to narrow it down, but I've got a few for you, so don't go away. All right, we are wrapping up our Trump year one in review show for the day. If you are just tuning in now to 101.1 FM and you missed it and you're like, no, it's okay. Don't worry, there is no need to panic. You can always go on iTunes or SoundCloud and listen to this episode there. Just search for The Frittle Show and it will come right up. We started out with some of the low points, went on to my top 10 list, and now, as promised, my favorite quotes of the president from 2017. Favorite quote during an interview is this one, because it's just, it's... Well, you'll understand. The media is really the word. I think one of the greatest of all terms I've come up with is fake. I guess other people have used it perhaps over the years, but I've never noticed it. Favorite tweet. Who can figure out the true meaning of kafefi? Favorite commencement speech moment. Remember this. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever came easy. Following your convictions mean you must be willing to face criticism from those who lack the same courage to do what is right. 
And last off, and my most favorite is where we'll leave today, was in the president's Christmas message, which he shared on social media. For Christians, we remember the story of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph that began more than 2,000 years ago. As the book of Isaiah tells us, for unto us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This good news is the greatest Christmas gift of all, the reason for our joy, and the true source of our hope. That's all the time we have left for today. Thanks for being with us. Hope you enjoyed this review of Trump's first year in office. Again, if you missed it, you can go find and re-listen on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search for The Frittle Show. While you're there, you can like, subscribe, comment, do all the things, and I would appreciate that. Tomorrow is Fun Friday. I'll be giving stuff away. And Coming up next, it's Dr. David Tice with Living in Liberty. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas.